business as usual. Mary and Martha had a long relationship with Jesus. Remember the stories of Mary and Martha? So Jesus shows up at their house and their, their brother is Lazarus. And Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet while he talks to the men, which leaves Martha where? In the kitchen. And how does Martha feel about being left alone in the kitchen? She's not real happy. The church needs Martha's, doesn't it? Church needs the people who are in the kitchen and just do the work. That's what the church needs. But Jesus listens to Martha when Martha comes out and says, it ain't fair. We got the, can we, this feedback, is this feedback bothering anybody else? Because this is killing me. Can you hear it? Yeah, I think you have to turn it up, down, up top. No, all right. Um, we'll just, do, there we go, that's better. Okay, so Martha goes and says, tell my sister that worthless thing to get in here with me and, and fix this. And Jesus says, Martha, 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 you are distracted by many things. You're distracted. Mary has chosen the better part, and it will not be taken from her. Mary has chosen the better part, and it will not be taken from her. Later on in the story, Lazarus gets sick, they call for Jesus. Jesus shows up late. Lazarus dies. Jesus goes and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And the brother who was dead is raised. Now it's six days before the Passover. This is the end of the story. We're getting close to the end. And Jesus shows up again. And this time when they sit down at table... Mary brings out this jar of nard, this jar of holy oil, and you can see her on her knees, and she is massaging Jesus. She's, she's rubbing them in his feet, because, you know, you walk with, with you know, we were barefoot with, with sandals, and your feet get dry, and, and she's, she's blessing his feet with holy oil, and she's wiping his feet with her hair. And Judas says, you know, that, you know, that nard could be uh, sold and given to the poor. You know, that's a lot of money. That could go to some real use. Instead of the feet thing, it could feed people's stomachs. And Jesus said, the poor you have with you always. Make no mistake, if you sell that and give it to the poor, there's still going to be poor people the next day but I'm not with you all the time. She's done this for me. Why didn't she do that after Lazarus was raised from the dead? I wonder. Maybe she did and nobody wrote about it. That's a good point. Thank you for ruining my sermon. I like it. No. No, she, she, she might have. And actually, it, it has nothing to do with it. I'm just being cheeky with Sally, because I, I love Sally. 
We don't know. But the thing is, is that somewhere between the time when Jesus, you know, Jesus, Mary, Mary knew Jesus had something to say. She knew he was a great prophet. I'm sorry, that was really terrible. He was a, I know, you can have a pity party. You can stone me after the service. <clears throat> I like some good stonings, I do. But, you know, she knew he had words to say, and she knew when he spoke, it, it opened vistas. And, and so she sat at the table with him. She sat at his feet when he spoke. And then when he came and, and he raised her brother from the dead, suddenly, somewhere after this, she realized, wow, this is different. This is different. And I think the vista to God opened up. I think it absolutely opened up for her. And you could know when you have that moment in your life, everything changes. And you feel like you can't go back to business as usual. And you do something extravagantly silly like take a thing of nard and you rub it in his feet. You do it in response, your spirit responds. How many of you have had an experience where suddenly your life was different? How many of you have had that experience? I mean, really, it changed for you. I remember when I was, I was probably in fifth grade, and I, you know, I would rode my bike to school. I don't normally ride my bike to school, but I missed the bus. And I had to go, I go from school every day. I walk every day from school to the swim pool, because I was a swimmer, I swam three hours a day. And then from, from the swim pool, my dad would pick me up and I'd go home. But I rode my bike, and, and it was a good school. But if you left your bike at school, after school, it was either stolen or destroyed. That's just the way it was. And I was halfway to the pool, and in the back of my mind says, where's your bike? Where's your bike? And I stopped, and I don't know why. And you know, now I'd say that's intuition, and for me, intuition is a God-given thing. But I was like, God's looking out for me. That's what went through my mind. The universe went from something that was either hostile or neutral to, you know what? God's looking out for me. It was the simplest thing. It was a simple thought. It wasn't Moses with a burning bush. Most people who are looking for experiences of God are looking for Moses in a burning bush, and I guarantee you it's probably not going to happen. If it does, please tell me. I'll have you preach. But most of the time, you're a musician, and all of a sudden you see this new instrument, and you think, what in the world is that thing? It's like, did somebody see a spaceship and then did you know, this new creation? And then you start playing it, and you're like, whoa. Or you fall in love. And I don't mean the kind, you know, that comes from another part of your body. But the kind where you really, your souls genuinely connect. Genuinely connect. And suddenly everything is different. When Arla talks about seeing the poppies, when she talks about seeing the rain, she is not just talking about poppies and rain. The vistas open for her, and she channels something on the other side. 
There are moments in our life where the veil parts. You see beyond everything that you normally see. It's, you see beyond it. Paul said we see through a glass darkly. Don't we? Most of the time we see through a glass darkly. But we will see face to face. That's the promise. And I guarantee you, if you look at your life, there is a moment in your life where you have seen face to face right now. You have seen beauty. You have seen truth. You have seen something, and it just it takes you someplace else. And it's usually not for very long. I'd like to say you go to the mountaintop, and you see the beautiful vista, and you see the vista for as long as you stand there. But what the vista means doesn't stay with you that long. It opens up and you realize it's there. How many of you have had that experience? In the church, we call that God. It's that part of your experience that is absolutely unequivocally holy. It's that moment in your life when you realize the universe actually does care. The universe does want you to succeed. If you've studied, my uncle was really in this, into the secret. How many of you heard that, you know, the secret? And I, what I love about the secret is that they then tell you what it is. <laughs> so I guess it's not that big a secret. Because if you pay for it, they'll give it to you. And, and the, the part of it that's true is that the universe wants you to succeed. The false part is that the universe wants you to be wealthy. Well, no, not really, you know, because the universe is doing a really bad job of that. But that doesn't mean that if you open yourself up and, are, and pay attention that you will have moments where, like, you see Jesus and it's like, oh, wow. How can you not get on your knees and take this costly oil and then, and then wipe it with your hair? Your short hair like me, it doesn't work so well. But you could do it. <laughs> you know. Judy Andrew did that, you know. How many remember Judy doing that during the sermon where, you know, literally she, you know, because she had the long hair then. It was down her back. And it was, from what I heard, it's, it was powerful. But I want you to think about your lives. Think about those moments where it's absolute truth, absolute grace, absolute beauty. And it might be through music. It might be through a relationship. God is always mediated. If you look at the cross, we often focus on the, the vertical. And it's like, well, you're supposed to get up. But how do you get up on the vertical? You get there through the horizontal. Give me an experience that somebody had with Jesus that wasn't a relational experience. Jesus feeds the 5,000. Jesus heals the leper. Jesus gives sight to the blind. That's all the horizontal. We get the vertical through the horizontal. That's how it happens. I don't know whether we are spiritual beings having a physical experience or whether we're physical having a spiritual experience. I don't know. We're both, I'm sure. But sometimes we just pretend that we're just physical. And that denies half of who we are. Or we're just all spiritual, and it's like, well, if I'm spiritual, how come my rheumatoid arthritis is acting up? You know, people that think, I'm just spiritual, it's like, really? How's that working for you? You know, because right now my back hurts. Because, right, you know, it's like, I'm, 
Maybe I'm spiritual, but uh, my physical is giving me a twinge saying, you know, remember, you're not just. Jesus was seen for who he was by Mary. And everything changed for her. She probably did do something beautiful that wasn't recorded in Scripture. Sally's right. I'm sure she, after Jesus was raised by, you know, Lazarus was raised by Jesus, she did something wonderful. That story isn't recorded. This is. And it shows that once you see and really see, don't just go back. And because it's 12 o'clock at night and you can't sleep, you watch Leave It to Beaver in Spanish because there's nothing else on. <laughs> you know, if your mind's running that much, God forbid, pick up your Bible. Or sit down and think about the people you love. That's a horrible thing. Think about the people you love. And then just imagine your heart going out to them. Arla felt it when this church prayed for her on Sunday because she forgot to reset her clock. Because we were worried. You got people in your life that you love and you know they could use a prayer. Are they going to be cured? Probably not. Are they going to be healed? Probably. Healing and curing is not the same thing. In the West, we think of healing as being a cure. And if you've got cancer and if, you don't get, if you're not cancer-free, you weren't healed. No, you weren't cured. But I tell you what, if you have cancer and you have a good day, you'll take it. I guarantee you, you'll take it. If you have a bad relationship with your mother and suddenly you have a half an hour where you can see your mother for all of you know who she was and how she grew up and suddenly it's like, you know what, my mother did the best thing she could do. It fell short, but she did the best she could do. In that moment when you realize that, you've had a healing. Is your relationship with your mother great? Probably not. When we see things as they are, it can't be business as usual. It just can't. Otherwise, we don't go anywhere. And we're stuck. And the church is not called to leave us stuck. It's to say, rise, rise, rise. Rise, Lazarus, walk. Come forth. Come forth. Come with me. Learn a new instrument. All of that time you spent with those other instruments, okay, great. Now learn a new one. You're starting over. Not completely, but you're starting over. Isn't that kind of fun? And then you bring it and you think, what in the world is that? And like, wow. That's what it's about. It's not business as usual. And that's good news. Look at your life. Seriously, look at it. Think about those moments of grace, of truth, of beauty, and say, that's what God is doing in me. Reflect on that. And then live as if it makes a difference. And then it will. Amen.